0: Uh, So for those of you who um, I have not had an opportunity to meet, my name is Christoph. I am one of the pastors here at Faith, and I am the minister to youth and families. Um, I am blessed to be able to uh, uh, get to hang out with uh, our teenagers and uh, help them grow in their walk with Jesus. But this morning, I am blessed with the opportunity to uh, continue worshiping with you this morning through God's Word. So we are going to read Psalm 100. Uh, And then we will pray, and then we are going to dive into this. Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Lord, as we spend our time in this psalm this morning, I am struck by the fact that while we are called to give thanks, while we are called to have hearts that are grateful, that, that is a difficult task sometimes. Lord, I pray that as we spend our time in the psalm this morning, uh, you would help us to see the importance of gratefulness, of gratitude, of thankfulness. Lord, I specifically pray for those who are in here this morning who are going through difficult seasons, who are hurting this morning, Lord, and they are going, it is, it is the most difficult thing to even think about being thankful. God, I pray that you would help them to just see your grace and mercy. God, I pray that you would be their comforter, you would be their shepherd, you would be our shepherd. God, I pray that our time in your word this morning would help us grow in our love for you and help us grow in our love for those around us. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to walk through the shortest Psalm, uh, the shortest chapter in all of the Bible, Psalm 117. And this morning, we are going to spend our time in another short Psalm, Psalm 100. It is titled, A Psalm For Giving Thanks. And what's interesting is that this is the only psalm that's actually called a psalm of thanksgiving. It's the only psalm in in the whole book of psalms that's actually given this title. Uh, Though there are other psalms that have the theme of thanksgiving, other psalms that use the word thanksgiving more in them, this is the psalm that is known as the psalm of giving thanks. Gratitude and thankfulness are one of those things that the culture, our, our culture, seems to uh, value alongside the church. It is a, a common grace, right? You can go online and you can search gratitude, you can search thankfulness, and you can see all the different um, proclamations of how healthy it is to have a gracious heart, to have gratitude, to be thankful. Um, one article that I found online gave all sorts of reasons for why being thankful was good for you. They gave um, all these different reasons. And it improves relationships, it improves physical and mental health, it enhances empathy, it reduces aggression, it helps with sleep, self-esteem, and mental health. And hopefully, I have played the role of salesman and I have bought you into the importance of Thanksgiving. Um, no, I, I think while the world sees gratitude as a suggestion, as here is something that would be good for you, I believe scripture calls gratitude a necessity, this is a mark of a Christian, one that is uh, thankful. Um, I believe that the existence of such articles for those who um, are not in the church, but those who are a part of our culture, I think it actually goes towards proving the fact that, uh, that it is ingrained in our DNA, that it is baked into us, that gratitude and thankfulness and thanksgiving is important. And I actually believe that as people, as humans, as creations of God, the only opportunity we have to extend real, authentic gratitude is by those who, are, those who have a life that is transformed by the work of Jesus. What is also interesting is that Psalm 100 comes at the, line, at the end of a line of psalms that are known as the royal psalms. So Psalm 93 through 99 are given this title, the royal psalms, because they herald God as king. They give God all of this glory and honor and think of him as king. And it is interesting that the, psalms would, the, the royal psalms would end with a cap of thankfulness. So this morning, we are going to spend our time thinking about gratitude and thanksgiving. And scripture talks about gratitude and thanksgiving all throughout. It is not just a psalm thing. In fact, there are plenty of places that call us to thankfulness, right? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Or Ephesians 5, 20 through 21, giving thanks Always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Or Psalm one oh six, just a few psalms later, praise the Lord, O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Or Colossians three, fifteen through seventeen, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you are called to in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then one last one here, Psalm 28:7: The Lord is my strength and shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give thanks to him. Being Thankful is not an option for the Christian. It is a necessity. So I have have three points that I want to dig out of Psalm 100 this morning. First, Psalm 100 gives us the why to why we should be grateful, it gives us the why on why we should be thankful people. Second, Psalm 100 gives us ways in which we are thankful. And then third, believe that there are some pitfalls that will steal gratitude from our hearts. And so I want to point out some of these pitfalls that steal gratitude from us. Before we hop into Psalm 100, though, I want to define terms because I've been using gratitude and thankfulness a little bit interchangeably, and I want to define them a little bit. Tim Keller once said, It is one thing to be grateful. It is another to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel Thanksgiving is what you do. Gratitude is a posture of the heart that then gives us opportunities to be thankful. What we do when we are grateful is then Thanksgiving. So it's a lot like a pattern, you may have heard us said this before in the past, of head, heart, hands, right? We know something, we internalize it, and in turn, we do something because of it. Head, heart, hands. In the same way, thanksgiving, what we do is fueled by, it is rooted by a heart that is, uh, that is rooted in gratitude. We internalize gratitude, we feel it, and in turn it causes us to do something which is done out of thankfulness. Breathing in gratitude, breathing out thankfulness. There are also seven imperatives that are given through Psalm 100. And when I say imperative, what I mean is there are seven things we are commanded to do. An imperative is an authoritative command, right? There are seven things. Those seven things make a joyful noise, serve, come into his presence, know, enter his gates, praise, and give thanks. There are seven. What we're going to focus on first with the why Of why it's important to be gracious is right in the middle. It is the fourth imperative that is given, and it is in verse number three. So, Psalm 100, verse three says this Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Knowledge is crucial for our gratitude. So, if gratitude is a condition or a posture of our hearts, and thanksgiving is what we do in response to that, then we must know that the Lord, the triune God of Scripture, is God. And this may seem like an obvious statement. You might go, Christoph, of course God is God. But there is constantly a competitor waiting to fight and steal that title from him. Who is that competitor? It's me. It's us. It is within our nature to compete with God for the very title he deserves, and in his nature is. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis actually points this out. There's a chapter called The Greatest Sin, and I'll have the quote up here uh, for you as well. But he says this about the greatest sin. Now, what you want to get clear is that pride is essentially competitive, is competitive by its very nature. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. How is it that people who are quite obviously eaten up with pride can say they believe in God and appear themselves to be very religious? I am afraid it means that they are worshiping an imaginary God. They are really imagining how he approves of them and thinks of them far better than ordinary people. See, verse 3 here of Psalm 100 is wedged in between a lot of different ways that we are called to be grateful, but it is out of a heart, a heart that knows God is God, that we are then able to be thankful. This is where knowledge begins. This is where gratitude begins, knowing that the Lord is God. And Psalm 100 verse 3 points out two very specific ways in which we are to know God is God. The first of which is that he made us. We are his. We are called to know him as creator. The second of which, and I love that we sang Psalm 23 this morning. I love it. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. We know God as our sustainer and as our redeemer. So we could say it like this, a gracious heart comes from a knowledge that God is who he has shown to us in scripture to be, namely that he created us and that he sustains us. Our call to worship this morning reflected this, right? Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 17, talking about Jesus says, He is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created for him, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. God created you. You are not an accident. You are not a product of your past. You are not a product of your environment. You are not a product of the sum total events of your life. You are a product of a God who is good and gracious and created you in his image. You were created with purpose. But but here's, here's the broken thing, Right? That while you are all of those things, you are created by God, you are created in His image, you are created with purpose. We live in a world that is shattered by the effects of sin. And so the brokenness comes in that you do not see yourself as created in God's image because you wrestle with sin, this very nature within you. You do not see others as created in God's image because you wrestle with sin, You do not see yourself as created with purpose that was given to you, but rather you see yourself as the giver of your own purpose. We are, in our nature, competitors with God because of our pride. How could we ever make a joyful noise to all of the earth or serve the Lord with gladness or even come before Him in His presence while we are competing with Him for the very title He deserves? the very first step towards authentic god-gloring god-glorifying gratitude is to recognize god as our creator. and it's it's really I want to make sure to put this in here as well because I think that we we sometimes hear that and we we miss some of the beauty of this. God did not create you out of boredom. I've heard the question, well why did god create us? Was he just like bored? No, he did not create you out of boredom. He also did not create you because he was lonely. There's another idea that God was just kind of like existing and he was lonely and so he created you because he was lonely. No, he did not create you because he was lonely. He created you and I. He created us out of love. It is in his very nature. God is love. It is in his very nature Uh, There is a wonderful, wonderful book called Delighting in the Trinity. And in it, he points out the fact that God in his very nature is love. So check this out. Uh, This is from Michael Reeves from Delighting in the Trinity. says this, "'Everything changes when it comes to the Father, Son, and Spirit. Here is a God who is not essentially lonely, but who has been loving for all of eternity, as Father has loved the Son in the Spirit.'" All of eternity, eternity past, eternity future, God is love, God is is loving, it is within his very nature. Loving others is not a strange or novel thing for God at all. It is the very root of who he is. So, So, the triune nature of God. One God, three persons. His very nature is love. And out of his very nature, he created us in his image. If we know that truth, if we hear that truth, if we believe that truth, how could we have anything other than gratitude towards him? I'll give you a way. It's sin. Sin steals our gaze from this truth. Sin steals our heart from the truth that we were created in God's image, but but we know that that is not the end of the story Romans 5:8 but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners Christ died for us here's the next part of Psalm 100 verse 3 right is that God did not just create us like some sort of wind-up toy and then take his hand off the world and let it go and just kind of is letting things happen no it says that he created us and that we are his people We are the sheep of his pasture. He sustains us. He redeems us. He leads us. He is active with us in each and every breath, each and every moment, each and every morning we wake up. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, right? Or sorry, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, 11 through 15, Jesus said about himself, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But this is who Jesus is. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. While we were busy competing with God on who could be the better God, he took on flesh. He became like us. He came to be with us. He came here to be with you and I. The great shepherd created us, then came down, condescended, came down, walked with us. He ate with us. He traveled with us. He lived life with us. And then he laid down his life for us as the good shepherd does. So how do we grow in gratitude in our hearts? First, we must know God. We need to recognize that in our sinful state, we are competing with God to be God. And all of our sin is rooted in this pride that we are our own person and we will live like it. And the call is to repent. The call is to run, run from your sin. Live in the truth that you were created by God, you are his and he is your good shepherd. And how we do this is by repenting of our sin. We turn towards the great shepherd. And how do we repent from our sin? We verbalize it. We admit it. We confess it. If you've not taken time to sit down with somebody you trust, you know, you love, and to just confess your sins, I would encourage you to do that. Confess them out loud in prayer. And know that scripture says that he is faithful to forgive you. There's nothing Nothing this world can offer that comes close to the gratitude you will have in knowing that you are no longer a slave to sin, but you walk in the newness of life. I believe this is such a huge issue we are facing right now. This idea that we, with all of our might, we try to gain for ourselves our own sort of identity. We are our own people, we give ourselves our own purpose. We try to shepherd and lead ourselves, and all it does is lead to destruction. Just praise God that he made a way that we might live in harmony with him, not in discord with him, but in harmony with him. And I want to point this out. Notice how it's not, it's not dependent on situations. Our gratitude is not rooted in situations because there are going to be seasons of life where we walk through the valley, where we are going through very difficult times. And our gratitude is not rooted in our situations. Our gratitude is rooted in our Lord who walks with us through those situations. It is rooted in Him, and He never changes. He is faithful. He is faithful. Okay, so first thing, we are called, why are we called to be grateful? Why are we called to have hearts of thanksgiving? Because God is God, he created us, and he is our shepherd. Second point from Psalm 100. How? are we to give thanks so if we have grateful hearts if we are growing in gratitude if we hear this message of the gospel if we know that god is creator and we know that he is our shepherd how then are we called to live verse three gave us the why and now we're going to look at the how and the how is kind of like the bread of this thanksgiving sandwich right It is verses one and two, and then four. So we kind of got like a Thanksgiving sandwich going on here, which we usually have the day after Thanksgiving, right? You know, digging in the fridge, grabbing those leftover turkey, throwing it. In. All right, good. <laughs> took, took you a little while to get on the Thanksgiving sandwich thing, but we got there. Okay. Psalm 101, two, and four. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. So, I said earlier there are 7 seven imperatives in Psalm 100, and we just went through one of them which was to know God. Verses 1 and 2 and then 4 have six other imperatives. And so I want to break those up into four. I'm going to break those up into four ways that we can offer thanksgiving in response to a grateful heart. So here are those four things ahead of time, just so you know. A joyful noise, service, presence, and worship. So first way. First way we can offer thanksgiving to the lord a joyful noise make a joyful noise to the lord all the earth now does this mean every time you walk into the room you need to make the same noise that my child makes whenever i tell them that they can come to the store with me and we can go and take a stroll down the toy section of walmart <laughs> maggie laughed cool <laughs> Because she knows the exact noise that she makes every time I tell her that we can go check out the toy section at Walmart. So this is obviously not what it is talking about. It is not telling you every time you walk into the room, go ahead and make that same squeal of joy. <laughs> but if you want to, go for it, right? And then go ahead and just back yourself up with Psalm 100 and just go, hey, God commanded me to do it. <laughs> Let's... I want to break up these two words, joyful and noise, and take some time to really think about what it means to make a joyful noise to the Lord. Um, as, I was, as I was thinking about this, I, 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 just, I feel like I've had this situation more times than not, and it just kind of surprises me. But if you have ever been somewhere, um, have you ever been with people, like bird people? No one? No? Okay. All right. Maybe you're all bird people, and I'm like the weird one. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're spending time outside and you're spending time with a person and it's a person who just like, who, who like loves like looking at birds and loves hearing birds and, and all of that. And, uh, and all of a sudden they get really quiet and they go, did you hear that? And I'm looking around and I'm like, like, did I get a phone call? Did I miss a text message? What are you, what are you talking about? No. And they go, they go, oh, that sound, that bird, listen. And then I'll, then I'll hear it, and it's kind of like white noise to me, but for them it is like they have struck gold. They hear the sound of this bird, and they're like, it's incredible. I've never heard a bo- bird that sounded like that. And I'm just like, okay, cool, great. <laughs> what kind of bird was that? And I was, A seagull? I don't know. What, you're like, come on. <laughs> a noise is something that is heard and noticed something that is heard and then noticed. One way we can exercise our thanksgiving is by living a life that is heard and noticed. This is like the salt and light kind of theme, right? Like if we are living our lives in some sort of way, there should be, uh, there should be people around us who go, why do they live that way? Why when they are walking through the valley of death do they still have thankful hearts to this God? Why? What is it? And, and then to, to add on to that, it's meant to be a joyful noise. What sort of life that's heard and notice A joyful noise. In his commentary on this passage, Spurgeon said about this verse, Charles Spurgeon said about this verse, Our happy God should be worshipped by happy people. A cheerful spirit is in keeping with his nature, his acts, and the gratitude with which we should cherish for his mercies. It is out of joy that we make noise in this world, not out of dull obligation. Church people should not be stingy, dull, lifeless, mundane people, but rather we should be people who are living our lives out of joy, the joy that we have experienced in knowing our God and our Savior. Hey, you... You get to tell me I get to live a personal relationship with the creator of all the universe? The same God who carved out the Grand Canyon and and placed the mountains and, and knows the depths of the ocean, which, by the way, we as humans still have not even come close to plummeting? Like, that God? I get to have a personal relationship with him? How could we live our lives in any other sort of way than Joyful? Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And, and the person who's writing these, this line right here, Paul, wrote this from prison. He was in prison when he wrote it, and yet he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Out of a grateful heart, and in thanksgiving, we make a joyful noise. So the first way of giving thanks is with a joyful noise. The second is service. Serve the Lord with gladness. It is out of a heart, a grateful heart for the great love that has been shown for us that we and then, we, we then in turn, turn and love others. And, and what I love about the word, by the way, in psalm. Uh, 100 verse 2, the serve the Lord. The word serve is actually, if, if you look at different translations, some will say serve and some will say worship, which is kind of interesting, right? Because our service is worship, right? Our service is worship. Church, there's a great need that we are called to be on the front lines of, serving those who are in need, Jesus in Matthew 25, verse 37 said, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison or visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. it is out of a gracious heart that in thanksgiving we are called to then serve others i and church i love i love so many of the conversations i have with so many of you to hear how you are serving i I, it is i like part of me is like surprised every time like oh my goodness you're doing that and i shouldn't be surprised because there's so many of you who are serving those in need and i love it and it's out of a gracious heart um, there are so many of you who are serving in the homeless shelter over in Menominee. There are those of you who right now are working towards addressing the deep wounds of, a, of addiction that just plagues our area. There are many of you who are serving in places like CASA who aim to advocate for children who are in the foster care system in the area. And That's just a small sample. I know there are so many of you who are serving in so many other ways. My challenge to you would be if you are not serving, find a place to serve. There are so many places to do it, so many places to do it. And if you're looking for direction, ask one of us. Like there, there, are, there are so many places to serve, ask one of us, and, and we will help you find a place. Service is an act of thanksgiving that's given out of A grateful heart and it doesn't have to be within certain programs we say the programs because those are awesome and they're doing great things Um, but simply serving someone could be inviting them over for dinner serving somebody could be sending an encouraging text message People ask me about uh, serving in youth ministry. So I get the opportunity to serve the youth here in this church. And so, you know, we have youth group on Wednesday nights. And they go, well, I would love to serve in youth group, but I'm not available for Wednesday nights. And you don't have to serve in a youth group to serve the youth of our communities. You can coach. You could go to school and help volunteer in some sort of way. You could help with after-school programs. Teens that are in here, there are so many different ways that you could serve. You could help with yard work. My goodness, shoveling in the wintertime? You could help shovel. I I know some are like, (laughs) mm-mm. But let me tell you, it is such a blessing for your neighborhood and your community to serve them in that way. Younger kids, you could serve your families by helping pick up and helping clean and helping in those different areas in your house. And we don't do it out of obligation. We do it out of grateful hearts, knowing our God. There is a multitude of ways. At the end of the day, the response is just just do it. Just go and serve. Find a place and serve. Okay, so first way of giving thanks, a joyful noise. Second way of giving thanks, service. Third way, presence. Come into his presence with singing. So there are two things that are happening in this verse, right? There is an action towards the Lord, and then there is second, an action that happens when uh, you come into the presence of the Lord, which is singing. And I want to focus in on that first part, is the, the presence. Uh, if you come to any sort of youth ministry event, I have a rule when it comes to youth ministry. And that rule is, actually, let me, let me do this. I'm going to test some of the youth kids in here. Let's see. What is the rule I am going to say? Be present. Hey, okay. Oh, that one. Yeah. Be present. Be present. There are so many things that are fighting for your attention right now. Um, we, when we have Wednesday night youth group, we have a, um, a bookshelf that's that has Bibles inside of it, and I tell students to go and grab paper Bibles, even if they um, even if they use their smartphones for Wednesday night. Even if you use, like, like, listen, if you are one of those few people who, are, uh, who can, like, are self-disciplined enough to actually read their Bible from their phone and not hop over to other like, social media platforms or anything like awesome, that is great. We're going to use paper Bibles back in the youth wing. Like Just because we want to be present, we want to remove ourselves from distraction as much as possible because a gracious heart produces a present person. I'll say that again. A gracious heart produces a present person. Because of all the things that are demanding your attention, there is nothing more important than your presence with Jesus. There's nothing more important. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 1 through 5, I am the true vine, My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless I... Totally lost my spot. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. A lot of the empty promises of the world would have you take your eyes off of what's important. A lot of the distractions of the world will take your eyes off of Jesus. I, some of the most important moments of your life just get taken from distractions. So, um, one just one example that I can think of, and I know that like it's really easy to villainize smartphones, but like I just think like it's, it's I think it's really important to point it out is smartphones just steal so much of your opportunity to be present. I know I'm not alone in this. I have I have 3 kids, 7, 4, and 2, and it is really easy when we are at home just like we actually have a little bit of downtime to just pull out the phone and start scrolling. When instead you could be enjoying time with your family, you could be enjoying time with your family and spending time with your kids instead. How many times have we done that in the moments when we are just we have a little bit of downtime? Maybe it's right before bed. Maybe it's the first thing in the morning. And we miss this opportunity to abide in Christ. We miss this opportunity to find ourselves in the very presence of God because we are distracted by the other things that are going on. How can we grow in thanksgiving? Practicing the presence of God in your life, abiding in Christ. The fourth way Psalm 100 calls us to practice thankfulness is worship. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. So there are three imperatives left. Enter, praise, and giving thanks. And all of these are done within the context of God's people gathering together. To the Israelites who would be reading this psalm, Psalm 100, they would immediately hear this and think of gathering together in the presence of God and in his temple. And today, we gather together as God's people in a similar way. Not necessarily to a building, although we have been blessed with an incredible building, um, which is just awesome and we get the chance to use it, but we gather together as a people, a body, worshiping him, giving him thanks And here's the thing, we don't gather together on a Sunday morning out of obligation or out of duty, but we gather together on Sunday mornings because we recognize the work God has done in our hearts. We recognize that it is a work of thankfulness. It is out of a heart of gratitude that we gather together to worship our King. Uh, when, When Robbie was here, Um, So, for those of you who don't know Robbie, Robbie was one of our pastors and moved out to Colorado last fall. But I loved it whenever Robbie used to introduce the Lord's Supper because he would always refer to it as a Thanksgiving meal. He'd say, This is our Thanksgiving meal. Because that is exactly what it is it is us gathering together, giving thanks to him who paid the ultimate price for us. It is important for us to gather together and worship. Remembering what Jesus did. What could we be more thankful for? So four ways in which we can be exercising thankfulness. The First of which, a joyful noise. The second, service. The third, practicing the presence of God. And fourth, worshiping together as God's family. I want to end this message by highlighting some of the things that steal gratitude from us. And and honestly, each one of these points could be a message and a morning on their own. So I understand that when I point them out and kind of go through them quickly here, um, that I am leaving a lot on the table. My hope, though, is that the main point of Psalm 100 for you this morning is to recognize the necessity of growing in gratitude and exercising thankfulness. And I'll say this, if any of these pitfalls, if any of these dangers, you hear them and you go, wow, I really wish you would have gone a little bit uh, deeper in on that. I would say maybe the Holy Spirit is nudging you in that moment to take some time this week and pray and study about the topic. Maybe the Holy Spirit is nudging you in that moment to say, hey, maybe I need to get together with somebody and, and talk about this because maybe this is a big pitfall in my life. Maybe this is stealing gratitude from me. And listen, any one of the pastors, elders, ministry staff here would love to get together with you and pray with you and encourage you and help you through that. Okay, I want to just give, again, a few things. Very first thing, kind of already talked about this, highlighted it, but it's pride, right, pride. Proverbs 29, 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. James also hits on this in James chapter 4, verse 6, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Gratitude comes when we recognize that God is God and we are not. So why would we be shocked when the opposite happens, when we are proud, when we set ourselves up on the altar where God, um, where God should be? Another way which gratitude is stolen from us is covetousness, which is to cause us to look away from that which God has given us and to desire and to pursue after things that he has given to others. Hebrews thirteen five says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Again, there are so many things that are looking to steal your attention. There are so many things that are that want to take your eyes off of the things that God has blessed you with and to look at the other things and go, I want those things. And then all of a sudden, we become bitter people. We become bitter at our situations, and we eventually become bitter at God. This is is a big one that I think doesn't get talked about enough, but grumbling. Scripture talks a lot about grumbling, by the way. I'll just highlight two verses. Philippians two fourteen: do all things without grumbling or disputing. James 5, 9, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Man, grumbling, having a spirit of just being bitter, it will steal gratitude from you. I remember when I was a teenager and my mom would ask me, Hey, Christoph, do you want to do blank for me? To which this is obviously a rhetorical question. It was not a question, it was a command. Christoph, do you want to take the garbage out? And my response would be, and I thought I was being very cute when I said this, my response would be, nope, but I'll do it anyways. Go over, take the garbage out, and bring it outside. How much different would it have been in that moment if instead of grumbling and complaining, I saw it as an opportunity to serve my family with joy? Psalm 100 tells us to make a joyful noise. How can we make a joyful noise if we are a people who are grumbling? Grumbling steals gratitude from our hearts. Last one, last thing that steals gratitude from us, boredom. Boredom. If we believe the God of the universe, literally the God of the universe, goes with us so so the 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 promise like it was prophesied back in the old testament that 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 the spirit would descend and go with god's people when jesus ascended he said that he would send his spirit to then go with us and 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 that the spirit walks with us how could we ever claim to be bored there is Always an opportunity to spend time with God. There is always an opportunity to love and serve others. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, don't rest. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that if you find yourself in a moment where you are not doing something intentionally, if you're not intentionally doing it, if you're doing it out of boredom, it will steal gratitude from you. It will steal the opportunities to recognize the presence of God with you. It'll steal it from you. We have an infinite amount of ways to connect with brothers and sisters in Christ at our fingertips. And yet we sometimes say we're bored. So maybe that's a great challenge. Next time you find yourself and you might say, I just don't have anything to do right now, I'm bored. Find someone to encourage. Pray that God would put somebody on your heart, call them, text them, reach out to them, whatever. Just encourage them. Don't allow boredom to steal gratitude from your heart. The Psalm 100 is a psalm of giving thanks. It is titled the Psalm of Giving Thanks. And thanksgiving comes from a heart of gratitude. And we are grateful because God, he is God. He created us out of love. He is our shepherd. He leads us, he redeems us, he sustains us. And how do we then give thanks? Through joyful noise, through service, through practicing the presence of God, through worship. And this is the best part. This is the best part. As we grow in gratitude, as we grow in extending our thanks, we join all of the other saints for the last thousands of years who sang and recited and learned the last verse of Psalm 100, which is verse 5, which says this, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all the generations. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would put that last verse into our heart, a reminder that you are good, that you are steadfast in your love, that you are faithful to all generations, and that you would grow us in gratitude. I pray that you would grow our hearts in gratitude for you as our creator, as our shepherd, and God, that we would be known as people who love others uh, so, so incredibly well. God, help us to make a joyful noise in our communities. Help us to make a joyful noise throughout Northeast Wisconsin and through the UP. God, help us to be people who point others to you. Help us to find the sick, find the lost, find those who are hurting. God, help us to be your hands and feet, to serve them and love them. God, I am so thankful. I am so thankful to get to worship with this church family, to serve with this church family. Thank you for allowing me to see that work happening. God, I just pray that you would give us more and more opportunities to do that. Help grow us in our gratitude for you. We love you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.